0: morning guys. It's the last day of camp. Are you so sad? Oh, so sad. Um, hey, I've had a great weekend with you guys. It's been sweet just opening up the Word with you, getting to hang out with you guys and uh, watch you fly down uh, an ice hill on cardboard um, like crazy people. Um, that was a ton of fun. Um, hey, so we've been talking through this passage in Ephesians four, right so let's go ahead and open up there to Ephesians four and let's uh, let's chat a little bit about what we've talked about so far this weekend. so in Ephesians four, Paul is writing this letter um, delivering the Word of God to the church in Ephesus so he's talking to people who claim Christ he's talking to people who say that they put their faith and their trust in Jesus and so He says, hey, here's what I'm telling you and delivering to you in the Lord. He says, do not live like those who don't know Christ. Do not live like the Gentiles, right? And then he describes what the Gentiles live like. And we've talked about that a lot this weekend. The idea of their minds being darkened, their hearts being hardened, and their spirits being dead. He says, don't live like those people. Don't live like those smashed snowmen, right? He says, instead, if you have heard Christ Then he says to put on the new self, to put on the new self, to live in light of being recrafted, to live out this recrafted identity that you now have in Jesus. And that's what we talked about last night. We talked about the idea of being made new by Jesus, being recrafted by the power of Jesus's life, death and resurrection on your behalf being recrafted by the power of the gospel. But today, what I want to talk about is what does it look like to put on that new self? What does it look like to live in light of the new creation that you've been made? What does it look like externally on the outside to live in a way that reflects who you've been made and recrafted into internally on the inside? All right. So that's where Paul goes next here in Ephesians chapter four. So we'll start in verse twenty five as he describes this recrafted life. Ephesians four twenty five. What does the recrafted life look like? Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Going into chapter 5, it says this Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But all sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. We'll stop there. He goes on and, and talks a little more, but but as he talks about what this, this new life looks like, as he talks about this recrafted life, he gives a list of all of these virtues, all... All of these things, he, he says that we are to put away falsehood. So what is that? We're to be truthful. And as he continues on, he speaks that we should be forgiving to one another. Be angry and do not let the sun go down on your anger. So we're to be truthful. We're to be forgiving. We're to be generous. He says the thief should no longer steal, but instead should work hard. Why? Not to increase his own riches but in order to be able to give to others. So this recrafted life is a life of truthfulness, of forgiveness, of generosity. It's a life of peacefulness, a life of kindness, a life of love. And not just like, oh, yeah, okay, I love everybody. But no, he says that we are to love each other as God in Christ loved us. How did God love us in Christ? He loved us at great cost to himself. He put us first. He went to the cross and died for us, even though we were the ones who deserved that death. That's the kind of love that we are called to in this recrafted life. It is a radical, self-sacrificial, others-serving love. So when he says to live in light of our recrafted life, to live in light of who we've been made in Jesus, this list of what it looks like is absolutely incredible. We're called to be radically truthful, radically forgiving, radically generous, radically peaceful, radically kind, radically loving. And this isn't the only list. We can go to places like Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians chapter 5, there's another list that describes what this new life in Jesus should look like, what our character should look like, what our our actions and lives should show. And do you know what it says? It says that we are to be Loving and joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, gentle, self-controlled. We are called to an incredible standard of living in light of this new self that we've been made into. And living that way might seem really hard. It does, right? The idea that we're supposed to live a life of radical generosity, radical forgiveness, radical peace, radical truthfulness, that is hard. In fact, that's so hard it seems impossible. It seems impossible on our own, doesn't it? If we look to Galatians chapter 5, right after that list, that list that I mentioned, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's in verses 22 and 23. If we read 24 and 25, we see this. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. That's the old self. That's who you used to be. That's the smash snowman. Have crucified that with its passions and desires. And if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. So here's the reality. This new life that we're called to in Jesus Christ, it seems impossible. It seems like the standard is impossibly high. And the reason it seems that way is because it is. This new life of radical truthfulness and radical forgiveness, generosity, peacefulness, patience, kindness, love. This is something that is impossible for us to do on our own. In the book of Galatians, when Paul gives that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Vivi you probably realize what that list is. What do we refer to that list as? Do you know it? It's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So we're called to live this life, to be characterized in this way, to embody these virtues, these values. But it's impossible for us to do it on our own. Why? Because it's not the fruit of our efforts. It's the fruit of the spirit. In Galatians, it's described as fruit. The fruit, the result of the Holy Spirit of God living in us. This is the outward external result of that inward recreation that has happened in us because of the plan of God. And the the love of Christ and the power of the Spirit. This is the result of the Holy Spirit of God living in us. These things grow in us, in our lives, in our character, like fruit. See, an apple tree doesn't grow apples because it tries really hard to grow apples. Right? You're walking through an apple orchard. There aren't a bunch of trees there going, all right, it's apple time, baby. Let's go. Apples. That's not how it works. How does an apple tree grow apples? An apple tree grows apples because that is what it is. It grows apples because it's an apple tree and because there's a farmer that tends to that tree, that fertilizes it, that makes sure it gets the water that it needs. But when that tree is getting the water that it needs, when it's getting the soil, the nutrients that it needs, it's going to naturally grow apples. And in the same way, when we are made new by Jesus, when we're recrafted, when we're made into new creatures, we're going to naturally live out that new life. Our lives on the outside are naturally going to look more and more and more like who we've been made to be on the inside as our creator has remade us in the image of his son. That's the natural result. That's what's naturally going to happen. But then that brings up another question. Because in Ephesians 4, sounds like Paul might be saying something different. See, in Galatians, it calls these things the fruit of the Spirit. They're the natural thing that happens for those who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But in Ephesians, he doesn't just say, hey, you're just naturally going to live this way. What does he say? He says, put off the old and put on the new. He's calling us to action here. This isn't just something that happens to us. He's calling us to do it. To put off the old man, to put off who you used to be, take it off like a jacket, and then put on this new man. This new person that you've been made to be in Christ. Put this on. So there's this putting off and putting on, which implies that we are active in this in some way. But there's also the fruit of the Spirit, which implies that we're not active in this, that it is a natural result. So then, what is the answer? Well, the answer is, this living in light of who we've been made to be on the inside, this is both. This is ultimately the work of the Spirit of God, but it is the work of the Holy Spirit living in us that we participate in. That we take part in. We don't become more truthful because we say, I'm going to be more truthful. I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to make myself more truthful. You can't make yourself more truthful can't make yourself more forgiving you can't make yourself more loving more peaceful more kind that's a natural result of the holy spirit of god working in you only god can do that work just as only god can recraft you only god can sanctify you can make you more and more like jesus in your thoughts in your actions in your words only he can do that But what do we do? We put off and we put on. We participate in the work that God, the Holy Spirit, is doing in us. And that's hard to say, okay, well, then what does that even look like? If I can't do it just by my own effort, if I can't just try harder to be a better person and it's going to happen, then what does it look like for me to participate in the work of the Holy Spirit and gradually bringing my external self, In line with my internal self, this new creation that I've been made in Jesus. What does it actually look like for me to participate? Well, the Bible sets up a number of ways. God sets up a number of ways in which we seek sanctification. In which we seek to grow the fruit of the spirit in our lives. We might call these the means of grace, but ultimately, this is water. Different ways that the tree of our life is watered that we might grow the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to give you guys just three tonight, this morning, whatever it is. It's dark in here. It feels like night. It's not. I'm going to give you guys three this morning. Three means of grace. three, Three ways in which the tree of our life is watered that we might grow the fruit of the Spirit and that the life that we live might more clearly reflect who we have been recrafted into by Jesus Christ. The first one is this. The first means of, of watering the tree of our life is with the Word of God. Psalm chapter 1, the very first psalm in the Bible, starts with this. It says, Blessed is the man who stands not in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. It says that his delight, his love, his joy, is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. It says, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, in the word of God. It says, and on his law, on the words of scripture, he meditates, he thinks, he ponders, he he prays through day and night. And the next thing it says is this, it says, for he is like a tree. Who is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. See the picture of the person, the man or the woman, who is grounded in the Word of God, who is steeped in Scripture who loves God's word, who thinks on God's word, who memorizes God's word, who recites God's word. The person who fills their life with the word of God is like a tree planted by streams of water because the word of God in your life is constantly watering your roots. And what's the result? You will yield fruit in season. What is that fruit? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you want to live that life, if you want to live the, this new life that you've been given in Christ, you want that to show itself in your thoughts, in your actions, in your words, then step one, water yourself with the word of God. Like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Because the word of God is powerful. It is profitable. It is true. It is useful. useful for growing us in Christ-likeness. So that's the first method of watering the roots of your life that you might grow the fruit of the Spirit. The second is prayer. So the first is that we need to spend time in the Word of God. The second is that we need to pray before the throne of God. I'm going to read to you guys out of the book of Philippians just briefly. Philippians chapter 4, says this of prayer. Philippians 4, starting in verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, that means making requests of God, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be worried about anything. Bring absolutely everything, big, small, happy, sad, everything that's going on in your life. Bring it before the throne of God in prayer. Because if you've been made new in Jesus, then you can approach the throne of the king of the universe on the basis of what his son has done for you. You can go before God and you can make every little request, every big request, every need, you can make it known to God with thanksgiving, with supplication. And then listen to the result. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What's the result of going before God with every need, big and small, in prayer? It is peace. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It is peace. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. If you want to be a person who can walk through life regardless of circumstance, regardless of difficulty, regardless of trial or struggle or pain, you can walk through it characterized by peace? Well, you can't do that on your own. I can't do that on my own. Peace in the midst of trial and pain and hardship? That's impossible for me. Timmy Tape mentioned last night... Um, losing a, a child at around the same time my wife and I we lost a child too my wife had a miscarriage and and it was it was hard it was one of the hardest things that I've dealt with but I knew that I can go before the king of the universe I can lay my struggles and my pains and my my questions at his feet And he promises me, if I do that, then the peace of God, the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind. I can't do that on my own. In the midst of trials like that, I cannot be a person of peace. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do that. My job is to put myself in the means of grace, to water myself with the word and to water my life with prayer taking my request before the throne of God. So how do we live this out, this recrafted life? The first, we water ourselves with the word of God. Second, we water ourselves with prayer at the throne of God. And then finally, certainly not the last one that scripture says, but the last one we'll talk about this morning, is that we water ourselves by spending time with the people of God. We water ourselves by living in community, by spending time, by walking through life with the people of God. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, it says this. It says, take care, brothers, lest lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day. As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It says, take care less than any of you there be an evil, unbelieving heart causing you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another. That means encourage one another, push one another on, call one another higher and deeper and further every day as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, in Ephesians 4, Paul is calling us to take off the old self, that old manner of life, that old person we used to be, those old habits of sin that used to keep us in chains. Take those off, because that's not who you are anymore. Who you are is someone who is made new in Jesus, whose whose mind has been enlightened by him, whose eyes have been opened by him, whose heart has been softened by him, and whose spirit has been given new life by him. So now take off that old self and put on the new. You need the Holy Spirit to do that, but you can't do it alone. You need community as well. Why? Because sin is deceitful. Because sin lies. So you need to spend time with the people of God. You need to encourage one another call one another out, exhort one another, rebuke one another. You need to push one another on, spur one another on to love and good works. You need to water yourself with the word of God. You need to water yourself with, th- with prayer at the throne of God. But you also need to water yourself by living in community with the people of God that you might encourage one another to live out that recrafted life more clearly you might encourage one another to continue in obedience to the god who made you that you might be able to tell one another hey you're believing a lie of sin right now you're believing the lies of satan right now and i want to call you back to the truth you need to have friends who you can do that to and you need to have friends who will do that for you i said friends Friends your age are important. Friends your age who are in the same place walking with the Lord as you, that's important. But when God designed community for his people to live in, he didn't design a youth group, he designed a church. And that means that in order to live this life well, to be watered well that you might bear fruit, you've got to be a part of a church. You've got to be a part of a local church with people who are in different places in life than you different backgrounds than you you got to have people who are younger than you who you are calling further you're you're calling them along to obedience to Christ and especially for you guys as young as you are you need to have older people believers in your life hopefully that's your parents but even beyond that your, your youth group leaders and you know what the best person is? You know that 73-year-old guy who's in the lobby every morning at church and he comes right to you and shakes your hand because he just loves the Lord and it overflows out of him? You've got to get in a relationship with that guy, gentlemen, or that lady, ladies. And you've got to learn from them because that's what the church is. It's a family. People in all different ages and stages encouraging one another to follow Christ. You need to be watered by the word. You need to be watered by prayer. And you have to be watered by the people of God in the church. That's how we live out this recrafted life. That's how we live in light of who Jesus has made us to be. Now here's the thing. I love camp. And there's this thing that happens at camp where you come up here, you're here for, you guys have been here for like, what, 48 hours, not even. And you start to feel this camp high. And you go, man, this is, this is awesome. I just, I feel Jesus in such a special way up here. I just, the worship's incredible and and I've got my hands raised and I just, I've never felt closer to God than I do at camp. Do you know why that is? It's not because of the elevation. It's not because we're closer to heaven when we're 6,000 feet up. That's not what it is. It's not because there's anything special or magical about this place. It's not because the feng shui is perfect. It's not any of that. It's because the whole time you've been here, you've been steeped in the means of grace. You've been constantly opening the word. You've sat in chapels four times over the last two days sat under the teaching of the word. You've gone to your cabins. You've opened up your Bibles. You've had discussion. You've read the word on your own. You've you've talked with your friends, with your counselors. You've been pointed towards Jesus by other people who love and follow him. You've spent time in prayer. You've prayed before meals. You've prayed before chapel. You've spent time praying on your own. In the last two days, you have spent your time completely immersed in the means of grace. And some of you came up here. An apple tree that was starved for water. And you go man why am I not bearing fruit. Why is it that my life looks just like it did before I knew Christ. Why am I still struggling with this sin. Why, why am I still. Dealing with this, this short temper. Why am I why am I still gossiping. Why am I still. Living this old life. Why doesn't it look like I've changed? And then you come up here to camp, and that starving, withered tree gets all of this water, and all of a sudden you're like, this is amazing. Guys, the water doesn't just exist on the mountain. If you want to serve God, to follow God, to live out this change that God has done in you by the power of Jesus, then when you go back home, don't stop reading the word. When you go back home, don't stop spending time in community with other believers who will encourage you and point you towards Christ. When you go back home, don't stop committing yourself to prayer to bring every request before the throne of grace. You might have a peace that surpasses understanding. If you want your life on the outside to reflect who Jesus says he has made you on the inside, a new creation with a new mind and a new heart and a new life, if you want that to show in your actions, in your words, then do not neglect the means of grace. Spend time in the word of God, spend time with the people of God, and spend time before the throne of God in prayer. Let's go before the throne of God now. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your people. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to go before your throne on the basis of Jesus. Through the indwelling power of your spirit and prayer. God, I pray for these students. I pray that, that as they go home, they would go and live genuinely recrafted lives. God, that the work that you've done in them would not just be an internal one. But through your means of grace, it would become an external one, that who they are on the outside, that how they live and how they act, that it would become more and more and more in line with who you have declared them to be in Jesus Christ, a brand new creation, a g- brand new creature. Father, we thank you for all the many ways and which you show your love and grace. We thank you for salvation. We thank you also for sanctification. That by your love and grace and mercy, you don't just save us from our sin. But Father, you make us more and more and more like Jesus. You make us new both inside and out. We love you.